welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we're going to get into some questions. We're going to get uh, three questions, mindset, nutrition, training, hammer them out. So buckle up. Buckle up. It's been a busy fucking week, man, but I feel very productive. It's actually one of the first times in a while that I've felt like, wow, it's still only Wednesday. Yeah. I feel like the last few weeks I've been like, fuck, it's Friday afternoon already. Like yeah. it just flies by, you know, but it's been nice to be able to like get into a normal routine and regimen. And we've been just knocking shit out. Um, a lot of really, I mean, just had a really, really productive meeting with Andreas. We're going to have him on the podcast soon to discuss the next drop for TLA um, and explain why we've been a little quiet lately and why we've been kind of going through some, um, I mean, really just learning curves. You start a new business, a new industry, there is a lot you're going to learn. Um, and we had to kind of shift gears on some things. We wanted to narrow our focus of who we're actually delivering product to, like who are we actually creating clothing for? What is our main focus long-term? What is the branding going to be like? We just have done so much revamping. So today- yeah. It's like an hour and 15 long minute of just like hammering through each thing that we've listed out to be like, okay, we, we have all these things checked off and they're in motion. We've got a big shipment coming. Good things. Uh, the only, we're going to have them on and kind of discuss all of it. The only thing I want to tease out is just because this is probably one of, the, one of the most common things I've been asked about is, uh, ladies, yes, we are doing more female apparel. That was the biggest thing. It was like, are you going to make, like women variations of this and like so, some of it's very unisex because nowadays it's like oversized is the thing so a lot of times even if you buy like a, a purple like boxy shirt ladies you're buying a unisex oversized shirt and they just make the guys a different color and they say it's a guys you know what i mean it's yeah not, it's the same shit but we're actually um making even like the shorts that we're going to drop are they're like actually cut for women so they're, they're different they're the same design and everything but they're they're cut different there, uh, what what does it say in that one movie? Same, 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 but different, or what? Oh, you know yeah, what yeah, yeah. Um, same, same, but different. What is that movie? Uh, it's the interview. The interview, yeah. Which like Dude, was like let's go. banned from uh, movie theaters and shit, didn't it? Oh yeah, that kind of like was like a oh, big deal. Absolutely. And that was man. Imagine if that came out right now. Yeah. Fuck, that would be way worse. No shot. Yeah, no shot. But it's a hilarious movie. Oh yeah. Uh, what is it? James Franco and Seth Rogen. Yep. Is that his name? Seth Rogen. Yeah. Um, hilarious, but, uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. That's, this has been just nonstop. Should we, uh, this is either going to be a very big tease going to give the listeners, uh, blue balls in terms of this, or we're actually going to tell them do, uh, sorry for the vulgar term. Should we tell them about TTP? Can we talk oh, about that? Uh, yeah, why not? why not? Why not? Cheer it's. <laughs> I mean, how long does it take for something like that to be approved and get out? Yeah, I don't know. doesn't matter if it comes in a month or two or next week. Yeah, we can I mean, still talk about we'll it, We'll be right? done with enough episodes by Friday to schedule them. Yeah. So I've got to imagine, as they're listening to this, this comes out this Friday, right? Or what? next Friday or something. I don't know. This comes out soon. Yeah. So within the next two to three weeks, yep. we will be releasing a new podcast. Let's go. Which I'm excited about. Yeah. It's, uh, it is not... The Taylor Life Podcast, and I am not even the host, which is actually really cool. Um, I am going to be, uh, I'm going to be introducing it. So I'll be in the intro, I'll be on the uh, the trailer episode, and I will also be, which the trailer episode is just basically like a elongated intro of why we're doing this. And then also, I will be um, 
on episode one or two I'm interviewed, but you know, something we've been, we've been asked many times. I think it is episode one and I think Ariel's episode two. So Ariel, uh, Deampert on our team, one of our coaches, she'll, she'll be the host of this podcast. Um, which I'm excited for cause she's a great, great person for that. She's yeah. very bubbly, very, um, passionate, extremely intelligent. I mean, she has her master's in psychology. Like she is, when it comes to like the mindset behind a lot of the shit we talk about, she's great with it. But, uh, we've been asked countless times, like, can you like have one of your clients on the show to talk about their transformation or their journey or what coaching did for them, all that stuff. And, uh, people ask like, what about your coach? You should have a coach on, which we did at one point have coaches on way back and we haven't updated it. And the truth is, is that the only reason we really haven't is, is because we haven't created a good structure for it. And then the other reason is because, um, this podcast is, I don't want to sound like it's cooler than it is, but this is, it's on a different trajectory or different level where like, this is a very, um, I mean, the goal with this podcast I might get is roasted for this, but like expert based or like, yeah, I mean it is. And it's like, not, it's, it's, we, our goal with this podcast is to have a very, very strict and specific regiment and focus. We want to specifically like when it's me on the podcast, there's a very specific system quote unquote of what we do. Yeah. Interviews, Q and A topics, like we have a structure for it. And then with people being interviewed on the podcast, it's very specific with, they are an absolute expert in their field. Like we just had John Delani on the podcast. He is an expert with mindset, self-help, parenting, marriage. Like he's one of the best in the world. Like that's the goal with it. And because of that, we also have to make sure that the standard of audio quality, even for the people who are interviewing is top notch as well, which is hard to regulate. However, it's it, so for one, it's, it's hard to match the, the quality standard of guests when we, we can't expect um, somebody who is just a client and wants to share their story to know how to podcast, have a professional mic and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then on top of that too, we can't expect them to want to jump on the mic and talk to tens of thousands of people. Like that's kind of nerve wracking for some people. So this is a podcast that's going to be like a, like a sister podcast to this one. It's going to be called the Taylor transformations podcast. And what we are doing is, is, uh, at first it's going to be two episodes a week. Episode one uh, of the week is going to be a coach. And then episode two is going to be a client. So we're going to, you're going to be able to hear the transformation stories and on, on both ends, right. From the coach and the client, but even on the coach's side, they're going to tell their transformation story of how they got into fitness, how they transformed their life. And then also share some of the stories of the clients they've worked with mm. and seen transformations with. And then you'll be able to hear later in the week an interview directly with a client that worked with us, had a transformation, and has a lot to say about what we do. So it's going to so be cool. Is that going to be only for the first few weeks? It's going to be for the first you few weeks. we got nine coaches. Yeah. So for the first nine weeks. <laughs> okay. Um, and then after that, it's going to be just strictly clients. As many as we can. And or, I mean, we already have well over nine yeah. weeks worth of oh, client yeah. shit booked out. I mean, all of the coaches reached out to clients. Like we started just booking people out. Um, and if you're a client, you're listening to this and you have a transformation story and you're like, I want to get on your podcast and talk to you and and everything. You want to share your story about working with us, then please reach out to your coach. Like we're totally open to it. Um, I told the coaches to, and what if you are on the schedule, thank you. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Thank you so much. And the whole thing too was like, Hey, have a list of people and then reach out to like one, maybe two, because what we don't want to do is reach out. Somebody says yes. And then we're like, Hey, we're going to interview you in six months because we're backlogged, you know? So if you are listening to this and you're a client, you're like, I didn't get reached out to you actually might be on the list. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You just haven't got scheduled yet. So, um, but very excited. It's going to be airing in a couple of weeks. We're always going to have a link to that in this description of this podcast. 
Um, as soon as it airs, we'll just constantly have a link to that in these episodes. We'll shout it out all the time when a new episode comes out, but it, it was really just a way for people to tune into what we do on a deeper level and hear from our clients and the transformation the stories. What's that? Something from the horse's mouth or something. Yeah. You, you, you literally get to hear the story from the horse's mouth there instead of like, I don't know who's out, who others, the writer's mouth. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Farmer. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, but that is the saying. So basically, instead of me telling you how great our clients are or yeah. their transformation and how inspiring it was and how the process was and all that in their experience, you can literally listen to them tell the story yeah. and, and be able a chance to actually resonate into and relate with the clients. Because a lot of times I think that's the hardest part for people. They might listen to me talk and get inspired, get fired up and stuff, but maybe they don't, like, they can't put themselves in my shoes as easily, but if you see, hear another person who is the same age, same goal, same gender, same lifestyle, has kids, doesn't have kids, is married, isn't married, like, is a teacher, isn't a teacher, is, is a business professional, or is another coach, or whatever it may be, you're going to hear that eventually, because we have such a diverse population of people who, li- who work with us, and now you're going to get a chance to, at some point, one or another, hear their transformation story, so... Super, super excited about it. Um, I've already recorded a handful of episodes, and we got a couple more coming this week. And then it's really just a matter of how long Spotify and iTunes takes to accept us. I'm hoping it's quick, and I think it is a quick process. Um, so stay on the lookout for that. Stay tuned for that. That is going to be something which was something we've been working on, and I'm very, very excited about. I think it's going to be really, really powerful for a lot of you listening. And it's just a way for again, like any of the listeners of this podcast. If you've wondered about coaching with us, you've wondered about other people who have made transformations who are similar to you, this is your chance to find learn more about it. Let's go. So pumped. Yeah. A lot, a lot of cool, good things going on. Um, if you didn't check out the recent episodes that we have done, I feel like we put out some just bangers, man. The cardio and the John Delaney podcast this week as we're recording, this has just been insane. So go listen to those for sure. Um, very, very powerful. Very, very uh, just in depth, man. Yeah. Next week's interview is going to be insane too with Dr. Greg Wells. Like we got some really good stuff coming up. And if this is your first time here in this show, please, please, please subscribe. We got yes. lots of good episodes coming out. I totally forgot to, to mention that. Um, we're trying to be better about that because we know new people are coming to the podcast. So um, if this is your first time, uh, I mean, oh shit, the best thing to do is go to uh, TaylorCoachingMethod.com. Read about us. Read about me. Um, my name is Cody McBroom. I'm the host. I own Taylor Coaching Method. And our goal here is to help you design your life in a better way, your health, your mindset, your lifestyle, no matter who you are, we want you to live the best life possible internally and externally. And that's what this podcast is all about. Um, life optimization, essentially. So you are in the right place. If that hits home and that's something you want, um, shit, even, uh, did you see that chat chat GBT? Is that what it is? Yeah. Did you see that thing that I posted on my story about it this weekend? No. Uh, Lee Googled who is Cody McBroom? Oh no. And it was, no, it was actually pretty good. I was like, <laughs> he sent me like smiling and I was like a little smiling motion. I was like, Oh fuck, what is this going to say? And it was good. It was just like totally fine. There was like a couple things that were incorrect. Like it said, I was a pro baseball player. Oh, that's definitely incorrect. I was an ex pro baseball player who can barely swing a fucking bat. But like it said that I was, and then I became a trainer and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was a competitive bodybuilder. That's not true either. I mean, I guess I competed in physique, but like once, yeah. like I'm not like, I've helped more people get on stage than I've ever been on stage. Well, you helped more than one person. Yeah. But still, it was funny. Like it was it was it was close but not not quite there. So so if you want to learn more about me or the podcast, maybe don't go to chat GPT. Unless you're a baseball player, do it. Yeah. And, and disregard what I just said. So All right. Cool. Let's get into the questions for today. We got the first one. It says, 
what has training hard and managing your nutrition taught you that has applied to other areas in your life? Man, um, where do I start? Patience, willpower, discipline, um, uh, long-term uh, or delayed gratification is what I'm, I'm thinking. Long-term planning would be another one. Uh, there's just so much like grit, how to work hard. Um, there's just so much um, self-respect for yourself and your body, uh, appreciation for yourself and your body. I mean, training as a whole, training hard especially, but but dieting as well, teaches you so much about life. I would say that training hard has taught me more about grit and what I'm capable of and help me develop respect and appreciation for my body and what my body is capable of. And dieting specifically has taught me so much about self-control, discipline, and willpower, um, as well as just like internal awareness and feedback. Like you learn so much like cues and, and awareness of how you feel and your energy and your recovery and your joints, all these different things when you actually eat well, because you can eat a certain way, track your nutrition, and then track your biofeedback, you could see these changes happening, right? I, I can think of the first time I, this is what made me a nutrition coach, actually. When I was, I was a trainer, and um, I was, I mean, I was, I was in great shape. I wasn't like shredded, but I was strong. I was healthy. I was lean um, compared to the average person, but I had never tracked my diet. I, I ate healthy, quote unquote, um, but I had never like manipulated nutrition in, in a science-based way. And then I decided to do a physique show and I was like, okay, well, the thing I really need help with is nutrition because I'm going to continue doing my training the same way I always did. I did upper lower split with some conditioning two days a week. Um, we eventually added cardio when I got closer to the show, but that was the first time I, I followed a meal plan. And then there was a style of macros that we used that was a little bit different. So it was more like, here's, it was actually a super, super old school bro in bodybuilding style where it was like, here's your list of foods that you can eat. So it was like protein. 99% extra lean ground turkey, uh, chicken breast, tilapia, um, eye of round steak, I think it was, not top round. Eye of round is like the leanest, driest, most bland steak you can possibly get because it's a low some fat, so it's not that great. Uh, basically, like all these low-fat options, egg yeah. whites, like stuff like that. No dairy, um, very minimal, no pork, nothing else. Just like the leanest cuts of meat, white fish, or egg whites. Yep. And then it was like carbs. Sweet potato, white rice, oatmeal, and then like veggies. Veggies didn't count as macros. Green veggies you could eat unlimited. Um, I I think at the time this is how old it was. No fruit because fruit had sugar. Like there was like no fruit in my plan. I wasn't allowed to have fruit. And then it was uh, fats were like olive oil, almond butter, and I think that was it. Why was almond butter? There's no reason. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it could it could have been cashew butter, nut butter, or peanut butter. It could have been avocado. It could have been anything. Okay. I could have had peanuts or, or like that's the whole point of flexible dieting, right? This is pre flexible dieting making its like uh, mainstream popularity. And so, according to this prep coach, that was what I had to eat. And then it was like, okay, you have you get to eat thirty grams of protein per meal. You're eating six meals a day. You have forty grams of carbs per meal, and then uh, ten grams of fat. And these are the only foods you can choose. And so like if you had a protein source, the protein only counted as protein. So if I had, for example, chicken breast and there was a couple grams of fat from that chicken, I didn't count that. I only counted the protein. And so it was an easy way to set up the template, but it was very restrictive in the sense of like, this is the only list of foods I can eat. Yeah. And, uh, and then when we started cutting, it was like, okay, meal one and six, no carbs. 
So just protein, fat, veggies. I'm like, okay. And then after a while, it was like, these two, no more carbs. These two dropped the fat in half. Like it was just cutting them. So I never knew what my total daily intake was until later on. I actually went back to all the email exchange and I tracked it all and tried to figure out because I started learning more because I gained a shit ton of weight after the show. I finished, um, went on a cruise, ate myself to no six pack abs and was like, okay, here I am chubby, just competed, spent 12 weeks of, of just fucking sweat and dedication. Torture. Nothing. I was doing an hour of cardio every day. Like I was fucking peeled and I did well. Like I didn't win the competition because it was very political, but I did good. And like, yeah. but I just washed all away because I had no idea of what like really Reverse. mattered from caloric intake and shit. So I started, that's how I found Lane Norton, Eric Helms. I started researching like reverse dieting before reverse dieting was reverse dieting. At the time it was like just dieting to fix metabolic damage, which isn't actually a thing anymore. But long story short, I learned a ton and that got me to start becoming a nutrition coach. But during that period of time, I watched, and the biggest takeaway from it is I watched how somebody, and this is such a good insight for anybody listening who is, you are quote unquote healthy, you eat well, you train a lot, you're, you're dedicated to the gym, all that shit. I saw such a difference. Somebody who had already lost weight, but didn't really get to the next level. I was a trainer. I was training every day. I was fully committed, as committed as you can get. I just didn't have the awareness of nutrition. I saw myself go from lean and like decent to tracking macros and getting absolutely fucking shredded in 13 weeks for a show. Just because I finally plugged in some numbers. Yeah. Again, it goes back to like, you can eat healthy, but if you eat healthy in a surplus, you're not going to lose weight. So if you plug in your GPS, which is macros and you dial in, you can fast track your progress tremendously. And I saw that firsthand. So it was a very eye opening moment for me because I, I literally got to see, holy shit, nutrition can play a massive role in the results you see. And, uh, and obviously I learned a lot about self-control, willpower, discipline in that process. Cause I had to cut out a lot of stuff. I had to manage, like, I mean, I was young, I was like 21 years old, 22, maybe. So I wanted to like party and hang out with friendship, but I had to like manage alcohol. And I started going like, okay, I'm only drinking vodka diet tonics or vodka sodas on occasion. Like I just, anyway, I learned a lot and nutrition plays a huge role. So if you're somebody for example, who's again, training hard, you live healthy, all that stuff, but you're just not there yet. I promise you this, is, it's the key. Like you, you, you stick the key in and you'll open the door. I promise you. But as far as like how this all applies to the rest of my life, I mean, I think number one, like that scenario is you don't know what you don't know. So in every aspect of my life, I started getting really curious, you know, because I, I'm like, okay, what do all these entrepreneurs do to be successful? What do all these trainers do to be successful? What do all these nutritionists do to be successful? What do, what do good parents do to be successful? Like you can try and try and try, but until you figure out what you don't know, you're never going to be able to know if that thing is what you need to know in order to be the best at whatever it is. Yeah. So I started just getting hyper curious in, in trying to discover everything I could. Like I couldn't just stop without trying to explore more and learn more and dig in deeper and deeper and deeper. And if it wasn't the thing I needed, I just washed it and went to the next thing. Um, but it taught me so fucking much about that. And, and I think that's huge. Um, so self-discovery and, and pushing my knowledge base in other areas of life um, and being humble enough to be like, cause I was a really good trainer and I ate healthy. And I was like, I get clients good results, but I could probably get them better results. I'm going to learn from somebody who does. You know, I have a pretty successful business, but I want to pick the brains of people who have more successful businesses. I want like, why wouldn't I? Because that's going to allow me to tap into a completely new level of knowledge to be more successful in any area. I want to talk to parents who are really good fucking parents. And why are they good parents? How are they good parents? Same thing with people who are great husbands. 
Why are you great? Why does your wife think you're so fucking amazing? I want to figure that out. Yeah. I want to copy it. You know, it's like, it's like that, that reel we did. Like you want to get really lean, copy what lean people do. Yeah. You know, that's basically it. Right. So it taught me a lot about uh, being humble and, and, you know, drop my ego and and discovering from other people who know, may know more. Um, It taught me a lot about self-discipline and, uh, and willpower and control because I started to really learn. And again, doing a physique show is an extreme example, but it, and it could backfire on people in this regard. But if you, if you have the right perception about it, you can start to learn, I don't need that food. Yeah. Like, and I think it really taught me about like, it's just food. It's just a craving. It's temporary. It's like, I'm going to eat that like tasty thing and it's going to be gone a little bit. Does that mean I never want to eat tasty food? Of course not. It, it means that I can enjoy it and not put it on a pedestal. And now I can not binge, not overeat. I can try it and be totally content with it and okay. Whereas in the past, it was like almost as if like the treat that was on that platter is going to fucking run away from me if I don't eat it all. And it's like, no, I'm just going to take a bite. Or if I don't want to, because my goals are more important, I'm okay saying, you know what? I don't want to have it. And it's not the end of the fucking world. Yeah. Even in a scenario where, and this sounds crazy, but even in a scenario where it's like, it's something that you don't get very often. Maybe it's a, like something super special that, I don't know. Like I have no idea. I can't think of an example, but unless it's like a delicacy from another country that I'm visiting, there is no reason that I absolutely fucking need that. Yeah. You know, even like my grandma makes pie, love her pie. If I don't feel like it, just devouring pie, I'll try it, have a little piece or I won't, I'll save some, or I just won't because guess what? I'm going to see my grandma again and I'm going to have her pie again. So it's not the end of the fucking world. Yeah. So I think like being able to separate myself from the food and not put on, I mean, that's what self-control is. Yeah. Not being fixated. Exactly. Um, and then training is just, I mean, just grit. Yeah. You, you don't get great results unless you push yourself hard. And every time I push myself hard, at uh, the back of my mind, I'm like, damn, I could do more than I realized. Because your mind starts telling you to stop, slow down, don't push, this hurts, it's uncomfortable, you're sweating too much, like, that's your last rep, like, just talking shit to you the whole time. Yeah. And every time you work through that and then you bring out a couple. Because it's easy for your body to do that. 100%. Yeah. And your mind will give up way before your body does. So your mind will try to talk you out of it. And if you can work through that and then still bang out a few extra reps, you just won that battle. You know, and now your mind's not going to do that to you as quickly. And it just, it's just a process. So I think. It's like your body gives up. You're like, all right, he's going to go ham. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, dude. So training hard. I mean, that's, I mean, that's been huge just in every area of life. Um, And then also too, like when you get a little cocky in that regard and you pull something or you, you wake up the next day and you're fucking so sore, you're tired or you just, your joints hurt or whatever. You go, okay, now I know what that threshold is. Yeah. And that applies to work. I know. I know when I can lack a little bit of sleep because I got to get shit done. And I also know when I got to own the fact that I'm burnt out and I got to catch up on sleep, you know, and as an entrepreneur, I'm not somebody who sleeps perfectly seven hours every single night. It fluctuates. There's some weekends where I fucking hibernate and I'll sleep 12 hours straight because I know I need it. Yeah. And my wife knows I need it. So she lets me do it and I'm good. And then I can get back to it. And then it's like, okay, let me, I'm going to do a couple five hour nighters. And then it's going to be like, I need seven tonight. Like, you learn and it's just, again, it's just body awareness, but I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this. I could keep going on and on and on. I think if I had to name them like, um, self-discipline, grit, self-control, self-discovery, awareness, respect, appreciation for your body. Um, and the biggest one of all is just patience because nothing with fitness is quick. Boom. So if you, if you start working hard, it's going to take a while to see the result. And if you can have that delayed gratification, that will pay immensely in every other area of your life without a doubt. Boom. Cool. All right, we will go to the next question. It says, I've heard that drinking alcohol stunts fat burning while it's in your system. 
If this is the case and I am planning to have a drink with my wife, when is the best time to consume it? Right after working out, before working out, 12 hours between workouts, I would like to know so that I can efficiently burn, sorry, that not efficiently, so I can effectively burn as much fat as possible, but yet also uh, enjoy a drink with my wife. It's a great question. Um, the first thing I would definitely say is do not drink before you train. I was surprised you said before workout. I don't, I mean, I don't know about you, but working out is the last thing I want to do when I'm having some drinks. So don't do that. Um, I would also not recommend after a workout and I'll explain some of the, the fat burning stuff. But if you work out after workout, one of the things that alcohol does is suppresses for men testosterone. So, um, and there may be some research to support like other sex hormones in the body. So like, let's just say for everybody, it can suppress sex hormones in general. And the other thing it can do is uh, blunt muscle protein synthesis. So when we train hard or eat protein, muscle protein synthesis spikes. When muscle protein synthesis spikes, that's the process of rebuilding muscle tissue and actually helping you achieve gains, which is why you're in the gym training. Um, alcohol is not going to help that process. So I definitely wouldn't suggest doing it right after your workout because that's going to suppress testosterone and muscle protein synthesis even more. Um, and if you're a female and you're not as worried about testosterone, just know that like testosterone is still in you and is still important for you. It's just not as greater. It's not at such a high as a, it's not at as high of a level as men. I hope that makes sense. That was a hard one for me for some reason. Um, but there's other sex hormones that are probably suppresses too. So alcohol is just not and look, I drink every week, It's I'm just, but it's not good for you. Obviously, it's it's a toxic, you know. If drinking gasoline made you feel really good and have fun, I mean, I'm sure we would do it and pay the price. But it's not healthy for you, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody will say like. Society, man. I, I don't think anybody will say like, well, alcohol is actually really good for you. The, the only positives of alcohol would be that drinking alcohol may lower stress levels for some people doesn't do that for everybody, but for some people who just need to chill the fuck out, they need yeah. a drink and their cortisol drop like hundred percent. And honestly, I, I would probably put myself in that category. Yeah. I'm a wound up dude. And I'm like nonstop alcohol. Just if I can chill out one day, yeah. even on Saturdays, I'll have a few beers while we sit in the, the cold sack on a nice day. Like even just that, yep. like, that's good. Um, but as you're listening to this, if you're like, well, what about wine and heart health? Don't, don't even start. Cause you can eat some grapes and you'll be just as fine too. Um, were you not aware of wine? Being oh, no, no, no. I have, like the okay. whole doctor thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they say wine can help cardiovascular health. And it's true. It can. But there's a lot of things that can help cardiovascular Definitely. health. You know, and you don't need to drink wine because wine still has alcohol. Um, so I wouldn't do that because of that. Uh, so when is the best time? The best time to drink is probably closer to the latter. I don't know why you picked 12 hours, but like maybe you're just throwing out a random number. But um, you said 12 hours between workouts. I would say yes, but I don't really, I'm trying to like time that. I don't know. Uh, basically like. The best time to work out is like... That'd be 3 o'clock in the morning for you. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so basically what you want to do essentially is you want to drink alcohol hours after training or on a day you're not training when you have had a post-workout meal. So for example, I train at 3 p.m. If I train at 3 p.m. and then I go get a meal, I chill out for a little bit, and then I have a drink at 8 p.m., that's going to be five hours later. I've definitely had a meal. I've optimized muscle protein synthesis. I'm recovering so on and so forth. I'm good. Um, and I'm not going to train the next morning because I don't train in the morning. And even if I did it, like when I do train in the morning, actually right now I am because my split goes into Saturday. I train Saturday morning, but I don't drink Friday night. So Saturday nights I drink and then Sundays I don't train. So that's the other thing. It's like you shouldn't train right after working out, but you also shouldn't drink before the day, the night before because the alcohol is still going to be there. Um, and more than any like hormonal process that's happening, 
it's going to just lower your performance in the gym. There's plenty of research to support that. Although I will say there's some research studies that show like, yeah, there's a significant decline in uh, performance the next day or morning after drinking alcohol. And if you look at the research, at least this one study that I, I did. So if anybody has other research, you can send it my way. But um, they had like fucking 12 shots of vodka. Damn. And yeah, they got fucked up. It was like, it's not even comparable because it's not like, well, how is a few beers going to affect me? Yeah. Probably not. You'll probably be fine the next day for a training session, honestly. But the research that I, I wrote a blog and I wrote on this research paper. And then like later I went and looked at the research. I'm like, holy shit. I didn't notice they, they were like tanking these dudes like <laughs> vodka. But anyway, um, I probably wouldn't recommend training or the next morning super late. Like you want to be able to like wake up, get a meal in, like push it out later in the day. Um, alcohol metabolism is different for everybody. So I can't say for sure the timeline because the reality is, is the amount of time it takes for your body to metabolize alcohol is going to be different for everybody. Um, and the speed at which you metabolize alcohol is different for everybody as well. So for some people, it stays in their system longer. And for some people, it hits them quicker. It's why some people are lightweights. You see somebody who's like totally fine. They have a couple beers and they're drunk. Yeah. They're lightweight. They, they're a fast metabolizer. Same idea as like somebody who drinks a cup of coffee and they start shaking. Yep. They're like a fast metabolizer of caffeine versus somebody who like it just slowly works for them. Right. Um, I'm a slow metabolizer. I can drink and drink and drink and I'm totally fine. It a lot takes of a caffeine. Lot. Both. <laughs> it takes me a lot of alcohol to get fucked up too. Yeah. But um, the, the reality is, is pretty simple. Like, uh, your, your body is going to preferentially metabolize alcohol as an energy source essentially. And it does that because it's a toxin and it's easy to burn. So it's a toxin in the sense, like, I don't like the word toxic or toxicity or toxin or anything, but it's the easiest way to explain it. Your body's trying to detox it out. Your liver's trying to get rid of it. Your body's trying to burn it off so you can get it out of your system because it doesn't like it as an energy source. It doesn't like it, um, for anything. Cause it can't store, like you can't take alcohol and store it as fat. Right. So, and, and that makes people go, Oh shit. So I can drink alcohol and it won't make me fat. Well, the problem is there's still calories in alcohol. So if we think of energy in, energy out, what happens is if I eat, if my maintenance calories is 2,500 calories and I eat 2,000 calories and then I have 1,000 calories worth of alcohol, that's 500 calorie surplus. But that surplus isn't going to be from alcohol. In fact, it's probably going to be even a, a bigger debt of, of that calorie storage because your body's trying to burn those calories. So if you have a thousand calories of alcohol, which is actually, a, that's a lot of alcohol. So that's probably a ridiculous number, but still, if you have that much alcohol in your system, your body's going to start burning alcohol before anything else, which means it's going to take time to burn off that thousand calories of alcohol, which is why if you're listening to this and you drink and you start getting hot, you're getting sweaty and you still have energy because you're still going that's why, because your body's burning alcohol, you're sweating it out, you're, you're getting very hot because your metabolism is ramping up to get rid of that alcohol. That's why you get really warm when you drink alcohol. And it has 1,000 calories to, do, to burn off while it still had 2,000 calories, 2,500 calories of your diet that it can't burn off now. So what is it going to do? It's going to store it. Why, why can it not burn it off now? Or will it just take longer? It could potentially take longer, but the problem is, is this. By the time that alcohol... So you would have to like fast the next day, essentially, because mm -hmm. think about it. Like if, if you're, if your body takes 24 hours to burn off that alcohol, right? That's assuming that one, you didn't eat anything while you were drinking. And two, you also didn't wake up and want breakfast to get rid of your hangover. Right. It's very rare that somebody's going to get drunk and then fast all day the next day. Yeah. Like shit. Yeah. So essentially you, you can't, it, it makes it really difficult. So what you have to do in order to not gain fat while drinking alcohol is you have to fit the, the alcoholic calories in your diet. And it's really important to try to if you're really focused on fat loss, it's important to choose 
alcoholic beverages that do not have excess calories from non-alcoholic sources. So alcohol is ethanol. Ethanol has seven calories per gram. But there's a lot of alcoholic drinks that have hops and sugar and things like that. Those have calories too, carbs. So if you're drinking alcohol and every single drink you have also has a bunch of sugar in it, you're not just drinking the calories from alcohol, you're drinking the calories from alcohol and the sugar, which won't get burned off because you're burning off the alcohol first because that's what your body's trying to get rid of. So it's really easy to go into surplus. Um, Inhibition is uh, worse. Inhibition means your ability to display self-control and willpower essentially. So when you're drinking, inhibition's lower and you cannot make good decisions. I don't think that comes by any surprise. Most of the time, one of those good decisions is food. Like yeah. You're making bad choices with food. Um, hopefully, uh, you're you're faithful enough to not make other bad choices in your life. But point is, is, is that if you're drinking alcohol, you're probably going to go into surplus through food as well as just from the alcohol itself. So it becomes really difficult. And, and how long does it take? I don't know. I can't say. But you want to keep it away from your workout. Um, like I said, for me as an example, I drink Saturday evenings. Um, I'm going to sound like alcohol. But I usually start at like two or three because I like to have a couple beers while Blake is riding her bike or something. And then I'll have probably another beer at like dinner time. And then me and Shannon will have some wine. But like I could have four beers and four glasses of wine. And it equals like Shannon's like two or three glasses of wine yeah. from like a drunk level. So totally. I'm not like this belligerent husband while yeah. she's like chilling. But um, point being is, is that's like my Saturday. And that's a lot. So if I'm dieting and I'm really serious, I won't have the beer. I'll probably just cut that out and wait for the wine. Or I'm like... I won't drink a white claw or anything like that. I hate those things, but I'll choose something lower calorie. Yeah. I'll, I'll even have like straight whiskey instead of wine, all that just because it is way less sugar. Um, point being is you want to choose those kind of options. You, you want to avoid drinking too close to your workout and you definitely want to avoid going over calories. So what you want to do is, is my advice is drink once a week, twice a week you can get away with, and we're talking fat loss. If you're, if your goal is maintenance, it's a little bit different, but, um, if your goal is serious fat loss once, twice at most, uh, fit it into your calories as best you can. And if, if you drink once, you can probably get away with going a little bit over calories once a week, as long as you factor that in the rest of the week and you just keep it away from your workouts. So again, my rest day is Sunday, which makes Saturday a perfect day to, to drink. Amen. Yeah. So cool. All right. We will go to the last question. It says, if the goal is to build more muscle, is it better to train closer to failure or focus on increasing total volume as you progress? Both. Um, There's some nuance with this. Both, but um, first, training closer to failure, and second, progressing volume. You don't want, no matter where you're at in your career, I mean, as you get more experience, you can have a better gauge of how much volume you need. But like, especially if you're a beginner or you've never tracked volume or you're just starting to use the RIR scale to learn how close to failure you should get or, or, or how gauging that even feels like for you, um, you want to first do that because the most important thing in getting results and stimulating muscle to actually grow is getting close enough to failure. It's training with a high enough effort, effort that your proximity to failure, so your distance to failure is getting closer and closer, especially for muscle growth. Strength, you can stay a little bit further away because it's so skill-based. And if you're, if you're displaying the skill of strength with heavy loads and proficiency, you can have three, four in the tank and still progress really well. But if you're training for muscle growth, you have to stress the muscle to a point where it's, um, it's metabolically fatigued. There's a, a maximum amount of tension placed on it. It's stretching, it's contracting, it's causing some damage. Those things cause an adaptation to happen when you go through recovery. And that's what leads to muscle growth, especially new muscle tissue. So, um, 
First, you want to make sure that you learn how to train close to failure and that you consistently train close to failure with everything you're doing. And then once you do that and you can say that you're training close to failure with a moderate amount of volume, you're tracking everything so you know that you're training that close to failure. You also know that you're doing not even just like the fact that you're doing a moderate amount of volume because you might start with low volume if you're brand new, but you know how much volume you're doing, yeah. plain and simple. Um, once you've spent the time to track your volume and you're training close enough to failure, that's when you start inching it up to find like your maximum recoverable load. So you can basically train close to failure, figure out where you're at. And then once you have that baseline and you're recovering well, add a little bit of volume. So maybe you're training four days a week and you add a fifth day so that you can add some more sets. Um, but for easy math, we're just not even going to talk about splits. We'll just talk about sets per week. So maybe at first you're doing 10 sets per muscle group per week and you're getting pretty sore because you're training to failure all the time. Stay there for as long as you can. Like squeeze out as much juice from that lemon as possible. And once you get to a point where you're not seeing progress, that's when you go, okay, I'm going to go from 10 to 12 sets per muscle group per week. And then you go to 15. And then when you're getting closer to that higher range, you go, I'm going to go 18, but only on, you know, my hamstrings and glutes or on my shoulders and lats or whatever, a couple parts. And then you wait for your recovery to be a, at a point where you feel good at that point. You're still training close to failure. And then you add some more sets for the other parts. You'll get to a point where you can't add more. Obviously, you don't just keep doing this until you're doing 100 sets per muscle group per week. But, um, the upper end that I ever see with anybody is like 25 sets per muscle group per week. And that's, that's never in my experience, that's never all muscles. That's yeah. like, okay, I'm training my quads and my lats with 25 sets and it's a ton of volume. And then everything else is like 15 way lower or everything is that is in between that 15 to 20, which is a pretty common range for somebody who can handle a good amount of volume. Um, but again, if you're doing 15, 20, 25 sets per muscle group per week, and you're not even training close to failure, it doesn't matter. Because at a certain point, you're just not stressing the muscle enough. Yeah. So you'd be better off going 10 sets, like go cut it in half and train harder and then go back to increasing it over time. What would you do if, if you get up to the 20, 25, you know, obviously you don't go up. What, what do you change then? Into like weight? Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's, and that's technically volume too. So yeah. that's where you go, okay, I'm going to add, um, I'm going to play around with intensification techniques. I'm going to play around with uh, training to absolute failure. I'm going to, I'm going to implement a strength block that's lower volume to increase my strength so that I go back to those high volumes and I can do so at heavier loads. Yeah. It's when you got to get a lot more tricky with things when you're at that advance of a stage, but most people don't reach that point to be honest with you. And when they do a lot of times what you can also do, I've worked with people like that and I'm like, Hey, before we try to do any of that fancy stuff, I want you to do less volume and film all these, these lifts. I'll give them lists of lifts. I'm like, I want to see you go to a zero RIR. Let me see it. And I watch them and I'm like, that's not a zero RIR. And I have to teach them, like, let's teach you how to actually train a muscle to failure. And then get we a spotter. Exactly. Well, some exercise you don't need to okay. lateral raise hip thrust. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can see them go to that point And then we go, okay, now that I've taught you how to train hard enough and you were at 2025, 20, we're going to start with 15 and they start growing again because now we're training hard enough. So you usually got to backtrack, but Typically, if you do that properly and you are training actually hard enough and you're at that higher end, you're either at 20 and you, you don't need to go further and further. You just need to progress low, change exercises properly, stuff like that, periodize it better with like strength blocks every three to four months. So you can increase strength and then increase the loads. Or um, maybe your life doesn't allow you to train more because at a certain point you're like, well, I can't go to the gym two hours a fucking day, six days a week, which is totally understandable. And at that point, that's where we go, okay, we need to get a little bit more tricky because we could just add more volume if your life revolved around training, but it doesn't. So what we're going to do is start playing with these intensification techniques, split differences, periodization, so on and so forth. Totally. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that was a good answer. Let's, uh, 
Any shout outs or sponsors today? Yeah, Giant Lifting. First and foremost, head over to giantlifting.com. Use the coupon code TCM10. I've been using the Cambered Bar a lot. I was just going to say. Cambered Bar is bent, but it's called the Tatantica or Tat. I don't know. They made it very. T Bar. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not a T Bar. (laughs) But it's a very difficult name. Um, But. Go check it out. It's it's a bent bar. It's great for back squatting because it just rolls over your shoulders. It makes it way easier on your grip and your shoulders um, as far as like external rotation to get your hands on the bar. And then for bench pressing, it's great because it puts you in a stretch position, which you guys will see in an upcoming YouTube video. Actually, it might be out by the time you listen to this. Yeah. Check out the YouTube channel because yeah. I might have talked about it there. Um, and it's a really good way to like place a bigger stretch on your pecs while you're training that. So giantlifting.com, TCM10. And then last but not least, of course, firstform.com slash tailored coaching method for all of your supplement needs. We appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you next time.